and Josh is going to share our reading this morning. If you've got a phone on you or a Bible, um, please do follow along with us. We're reading from the, uh, the New International Version. Thanks, Josh. Uh, This reading is from Romans chapter 3, verse 27, to chapter 4, verse 3. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact... Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Thanks, Josh. So if you can keep your Bibles open to that passage, we're just going to look at it through briefly now. So revealing good news to people is really exciting, isn't it? Think about exciting things that we've all had the opportunity to tell people about in the past few months. uh, Some of us, I I reckon, will probably know someone who's lost their first tooth. Uh, What an exciting event. Some of us um, know someone who might have learned how to ride their bikes. How cool was that? And often good news changes everything. It has a massive impact on our lives. It's a bit like uh, that impact that riding your bike for the first time has on your life. Um, It changes everything. I don't know whether you remember the days when your children learned to ride their bikes. Um, Basic things, basic things like the, the Sunday afternoon walk around the aerodrome changed. Why? Because beforehand, um, it was one long hoik, wasn't it? You'd take ages getting out of the house, um, packing everything into the car, ages getting out of the car, and then dragging these, these little whining people um, for, for a two-mile yomp. Um, and they'd fall, etc., etc. But once they learned to ride their bike, my goodness, it was like two seconds to get in the car because they were so anxious to go to the aerodrome. Two seconds to get out of the car, bang, they're off. And all of a sudden, a whole host of new and exciting ways to break your arm are open to them. But in a similar way, the first few chapters of Romans, Paul is telling us mind-boggling news. Really incredible, mind-boggling news. In chapter 1 and 2, he shares the the truth, the real truth about you and me. We're sinners. And how we lived, we lived wanting God to stay out of our lives. That attitude, which is what sin is all about, means that everyone deserves the punishment of hell for the way we treat God. Paul shares it, but it's good news. Why? Because in chapter 3, the passage immediately uh, uh, before the the one we've been reading, Paul blows away the readers with this great news. God knows us intimately and loves us expansively. 
And he has provided a way that we can be right with him, that we can have a relationship with him, and it is by faith in Jesus Christ. It's a free gift, and it's for everyone who will receive it by trusting in what Jesus has done on the cross. It's the most stunning news in history, and it changes everything. And what Paul does in the next few chapters is he explains how how it changes everything. And he points, in, in our verses particularly, he points out three things that we don't need to be and do anymore. And they help us to see how the good news makes us right with God and changes everything. And the first thing he says is this. We don't need to do this, guys. We no longer boast about being good. We no longer boast about being good. Look at the, uh, the first verse of our passage, verse 27. Where then, says Paul, having, having outlined his amazing good news, where then is boasting? It's excluded, he says. And he's talking about boasting because he's got in mind how he used to live. He used to be proud and boastful about himself. Everybody looked up to him. Everyone saw him as a model of being a good bloke. He kept the rules. He didn't hang around road boys. He was a good bloke. But now, because of Jesus, he understands that that way of thinking is rubbish. If you read Philippians uh, chapter 3, where he outlines all he used to boast about, he then goes, that was literally a pile of poo. That's the word he uses to describe how that way of thinking is. He's passionate, and he's explaining the difference between how he used to live and how he now lives by faith in Jesus. Let's read it again, verse 27. Where then is boasting? It's excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. Oh, they're great, aren't they? The word law here, just to explain, doesn't mean a written law, written down. Rather, it means a way of living. It's a bit like in the film The Jungle Book, when Baloo the bear is teaching Mowgli about how life in the jungle works. He calls it the law of the jungle. It's about how life is lived in the jungle. And in that sense, Paul is saying that there are two ways of living, two laws. One way is the way we used to live, which we lived by trying to earn God's favor, which is what he means by the law of works. The new law or way of living that Jesus brings is the law of faith, trusting in Jesus' favor with God and not trying to earn it ourselves. You see, without God in our lives, we naturally want to be seen as good. And Paul says that's what we understand, the way of living, uh, sorry, that's, that's, a way, that's a way of life, or a way of living, and that's what he means by the law of works, wanting to be seen as a good person. And under that law of works, that way of life, we naturally feel that we're a good person. We get loads of things, we, we've got loads of things going for us, and we'd like them to count as gold stars when we get to heaven. Effectively, that way of thinking says, I don't need your way of thinking, God. I don't need your son. And, and that attitude, that law of works, that way of life, is what 
Paul is talking about, and it's deep down inside of all of us. It's an attitude that boasts about being a good person. But the problem with the person who thinks they're good, the problem with that law, that way of living, is that although we think we've listened to God, actually we're telling God how to be. We're saying to God, I'm a good person. When I get to heaven, like me. Because I like me. And you just, you know, be, <laughs> run along with it. Give me a high five when I meet you. Because I'm a good person. When we're doing that, we're telling God how to do his job. That's not great, is it? Another problem with the person who thinks they're good is that it leads to judging others. Because as we think about what we've done to earn God's favor, it also, begins, we meet, it also means we begin to compare ourselves with others. And the minute we start comparing ourselves with others, I, I'm, I'm a good person, I'm better than them. I'm a good person, I'm not like them. We become judges. And we start to find people who aren't as good as we are. Living under this law of works, this way of living that says we're a good person... Is, is simply telling God, you do things my way. It, it's not going to work, though. And Paul says, do you know, that boasting is excluded. I'm a good person, just doesn't cut the mustard. Instead, the law of faith, trusting in Jesus, is the only way, the only right way to be right with God. We need to change our thinking, is what Paul is saying. But the second thing we no longer need to do if we, uh, if we, if we live uh, by the law of faith is that we no longer think we're better than others. That's the second thing. We no longer think we're better than others. Look with me at verses 29 and 30. Or, or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Now, just a quick explanation here. There were some people in the church that Paul was writing to who thought that because they were Jews, they were special in God's eyes and more special than non-Jews in the church at the time. But Paul wants them to see that God's way of being made right with him by faith in Jesus means that race means nothing to God. Everyone is equal in God's eyes. You see, faith in Jesus brings us into a personal and loving relationship with God. That's the joyful thing that God's love does. When we know God, we feel him, we speak to him, we listen to his word, the Bible. It's a dynamic relationship, and that word and that dynamic relationship changes us. So saying that we're more accepted by God because of our skin color or our hair or because of our ancestry has got nothing to do with that relationship. Do you see how silly it is? And today in Britain, it's not so much being Jewish that makes people think they're right with God. For, for many people today, um, and, and many others, um, it, it might be that they think that, that belonging to a special group of people makes them right with God. It gives them that status or, or that, that, that badge of honor. It could be uh, thinking that says, well, I've got Christian parents, I'm right with God. Well, I've sung in a cathedral choir, I'm right with God. Or I go to church, I'm right with God. Or even I'm a de decent British person, I'm right with God. 
But, but the problem is, really, when you think of it, when you analyze it in that way, do you know, it's just a glorified form of racism, isn't it? It leads to believing that we're more special before God than others. It leads to superiority and, and to ignoring God altogether. The Bible here says that God is colorblind when it comes to race and status. We cannot think we're better than others because what matters to God is the condition of our hearts. Whether we have faith in Jesus and that faith in Jesus humbles us, it makes us more loving, and here's why. The Christian thinking goes like this. If God can reach down into the muck of humanity, into the filthiest and filthiest point, me, and lift me out, then who am I to not love anyone else? There is the joyful Christian message. Race, status, being does not matter to God. Knowing Jesus gives us that beautiful heart that says, I can no, no longer judge anyone else because God does not judge me. And who therefore am I to even look down on anyone else because he has reached down to even me. There is the beauty of the great, glorious work or that God has done, faith in Jesus. Now the third thing, the last thing, the third thing that we don't need to do anymore to keep, is to keep the rules. And that's what Paul says in, in his passages. We, we, we realize that keeping rules doesn't make us right with God. Look at verse 31 with me. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather we uphold the law. Now, Paul is this, is, this is slightly confusing, but Paul, China changes what he means by the law. So in this verse, he's talking about the Ten Commandments, the Old Testament law that God gave Moses way back in, at the beginning of, of the Bible. And he writes this because there were some people who thought they could be made right with God by keeping as much of the Ten Commandments as possible. But Paul says in response, we can't keep the law. Don't be naive. We can't keep the law. But we know someone who can. Jesus, he lived a perfect life. He never once broke any of the Ten Commandments. That's incredible. That's miraculous, isn't it? And it means when we trust in Jesus, he takes our sin from us. He pays the punishment for our law-breaking for us. And he clothes us in his perfectness. That's the great swap that takes place on the cross. So now when God sees us, he doesn't see our sin because Jesus has taken it away. But he sees Jesus' perfectness that clothes us. And that's why we can have a relationship with God. In other words, Paul is saying in verse 31, if we're religious, if we think we are uh, uh, pleasing God by keeping his rules, we need to change our thinking. We can't keep all the rules all the time we, because we fail in so many ways. Keeping the rules to, be made, to, be, to make us right with God just doesn't work. It's not going to deal with our sin. Instead, Jesus came to keep all the law and to die for all lawbreakers like us. And so Paul says we can't boast. We really can't boast 
We can't boast or brag about keeping the rules or some of the rules. Because if we break one of the rules, we break the heart of all the rules, which is to obey God. Do you see that? Even if we say, oh, I've never blasphemed in my life. I am a, I am a rule keeper to the, to the nth degree. I have never used God's name as a swear word, ever. Well, if we swear, if we, if, we, if we steal or if we lie, do you know, we're still breaking the heart of the, the law. And by breaking the heart of the law, we break all the law. It doesn't matter if we keep some and, and not other. We just break all the law by breaking one law. It's the heart of the law that matters to God, and that's what the issue is here. But Jesus says, I have kept the law for you. Trust in me, and you will be right with God. And that brings us to the last point. If, if, if the only way to be right with God is trusting in Jesus, how can we live by faith, the law of faith? How can we live in joyful faith with Jesus? How can we live by faith in Jesus? Well, we have to accept that we've lived our lives trusting in the wrong things to make us right with God. Either we've trusted in being good or trusted in our status or our race or in our rule keeping or a mixture of all those things. And we have to accept that we are wrong and they're wrong things to trust in. Faith in Jesus means trusting in what he has done to make us right with God. On the cross, he made a way for us. And by trusting in Jesus, we turn away from that attitude that says we can do it without trusting him. Trusting in Jesus becomes our greatest security, our highest boast. Because what we boast about is nothing that we have done, but everything that God has done. We begin to boast. We find our self-esteem, our confidence in God's love for us. And it might be this morning you've realized that you've been trusting in the wrong things to make you right with God. Well, this is the good news, isn't it? As we talk to God about it, we will be forgiven and we will be given that great gift that Paul talks about here, the gift of faith in Jesus Christ. And for those who are Christians, uh, this faith in Jesus is something we continually need to go back to, isn't it? We are, let's face it, we're saved sinners, we're not perfect at all. And we're waiting for Jesus to return to perfect us. But because we're still sinners, it means that our hearts will always be wanting to take control back from God in these ways. How can we tell whether we have, we have lost our way? Whether we've begun to, to trust these things again? Well, it's very subtle. But we have to ask ourselves, what is most important to us right now? What, do we, what, what is most important to us right now? What is it that we think about all the time, that we worry about all the time, or dream about all the time? That's what's most important to ourselves. What is it in our lives that if it's criticized will make us go all defensive? That's what is important. 90% of the time, those are the things that will take us back to our old way of thinking. They are the things that we will be tempted to trust in for our security and our self-esteem. They are the things that we will be tempted to boast about, to enjoy more than God's gift, or resent God because we don't have them. And be tempted to say to God, God, why are you not being God my way? Why are you not giving me this or that or this so that my security and my self-esteem can be bolstered? Why, God, are you not doing God my way? 
Do you see how subtle it is? But Jesus says, trust me. And Paul gives us two ways to fight our sin. And here, here in this passage, he calls it out. That's the first way, isn't it? He calls it out. Where's boasting, he goes. Where's boasting? It's excluded. Don't be naive. Don't be silly. Stop boasting. Call it out, he says. Look at your life. It says, if there's anything we're tempted to, to seek and, and trust for our self-esteem and our confidence, well, point it out, laugh at it as silly compared to Jesus. That's what he's been saying for these, through these last few verses. And secondly, and this is, a, this is where the first part of chapter 4 and the rest of chapter 4 goes. We don't have, have time this morning to look at it fully. But it's, it's simply this. What he says is this. It's beautiful. Being made right with God by faith alone has always been God's way. That's the beauty of it. Abraham. David, they trusted in God by faith. I believe God will provide me a savior and bring me to himself. That's what they did. And in saying that, Paul says, guys, open your Bible. Look at it. Just read it. Read every single story in the Bible. What you will see there is the great declaration. The way to be made right with God is by faith alone. And it's all there in the Old Testament time and time again. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. By trusting in the promised Savior alone is how we are made right with God, how we can relate to God, how we can know God personally and wonderfully, intimately and, per- and beautifully for ourselves. And he says, be amazed at that, guys. Just read and be amazed. The way is open. I do not need to trust in keeping rules. I do not need to trust in being a good person. I need to trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. The Bible's full of stories of men and women who have come to God and said, look, look at me, God. I need your way by faith alone. I need a relationship with you. And here's the beauty. Here's the beauty. No other God does it like that. No other God does it like that. You may be saying, well, I don't believe in God. Well, okay, fine. Try then. Not, try try to... Try to earn your friend's affection, the world's affection, by any other way than works, the law of, faith, law of works. You're going, to be earning, you're going to be earning approval and self-esteem all the rest of your life if you cut God out of the picture. That's just what you're going to do. Try it. Live it. Social media will destroy you. I promise that. Absolutely destroy you. If you trust in the approval and the likes on your phone, you are going to be destroyed. I promise it. No other way does that. Every, every, every religion, every other way of finding self-esteem, acceptance, love, and, 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 and approval, it will only destroy you because either it will be demand works and works and works and destroy you, or it will let you down and destroy you that way. It's not going to work any other way. Only God has come into this world in person and said, I love you. I love you for who you are, and I know who you are. It is totally awful who you are, but I know you, and I love you, and I will make you right with me by my beautiful work on the cross. There is our God. That's why Paul goes, oh, 
we boast in anything else, aren't we just a silly bunch of people? If we boast in anything else, isn't it useless? If we boast in Jesus, the law, the way of living, by faith, or find self-esteem there. God, the creator of the universe, has come in person, and he loves you. And he says, confess your sin. For those of us who are Christians, press the reset button. Examine yourself. Look at yourself and say, where do I find my self-esteem? It must be in Christ alone. And live in the joy of knowing that nothing else matters. Let's pray. Father God, we worship you and praise you for this great, great way of living, this law of faith that you have given by your free gift, by your mercy, by coming into this world personally, by, by dying personally for us on the cross and rising again so that we might personally have hope and a relationship with our great God. Oh, Father God, May we leave this place rejoicing because of your work, rejoicing because of your great, great gift of faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. And Father, if we are, if we are uh, desperate to have this for ourselves, I pray, Lord God, that you would open our hearts and minds to cry out to you and ask you for that great gift which is by faith alone. Lord, give us more faith, we pray. Give us more trust in Jesus alone so that whatever we trust in might be seen as rubbish. Whatever we long for might be seen as a completely silly thing to long for. But may we long more and more for the love of God to be revealed and known and experienced by each of us. For your glory's sake, Lord God. Change us, we pray. Mold us, we pray. Move us, we pray. So that Jesus Christ we pray, might be more and more, more known in our lives. We pray these things. Oh, Lord, for your glory's sake, we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.